You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's episode 171 of the Pemcron Warhammer Podcast, and I am your host, Pemcron. And tonight we are doing a little bit different of a format. Um, obviously, this is the weekend before Shorehammer, and I am just neck deep in all sorts of administrative work, printing out slips of paper for the tournaments, and assembling and priming the models for speed painting, and last minute terrain painting and just just all sorts of stuff. I'm going through a list of, you know, all the different things. Do we have markers? Do we have masking tape? Do we have this and that and the other uh, hand sanitizer and glue for the glue station and and just all that stuff? Um, I've already met with the hotel. I sent them the floor plan. Everything's ready. So I am pretty excited. Uh, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we only really have one segment, um, and the reason why is that I am legit pressed for time. So, um, and now it is a long segment, and hopefully it's an interesting story. I guess you'll be the judge of that, but it is Crisis on Infinite Shorehammers, and I know that's dramatic. Um, it's intentionally dramatic, but um, there have been, you know, there has been a pretty big, uh, revelation to me in the last week, a week before my event, that was a pretty big deal, and, um, so we have been clamoring to try to absorb that and fix that issue, so, um, I'm not gonna get any further into that, because, you know, that's what that segment is for, so... Um, also, I really feel like, I know Fergie Ferg has a... Uh, Tesseract mailbox waiting in the wings because I'm holding off because they have not released the prices for the battle boxes yet. So I'm really waiting for those prices. That will greatly impact on how I feel about these these boxes. So I'm waiting on Fergie Ferg's message. Um, I did not forget you, Fergie, uh, the Duchess. And I really feel like I've got another message somewhere. So please message me again. Um... I have been extremely busy. Uh, I've spent days upon days looking through tournament lists. <laughs> and all of our tournaments have different regulations and requirements and point sizes. And you can take this here and you can't take that there. And it's, it is very, very, oh, it's a lot of work. But I love it. I love it. I love Shorehammer. I'm extremely excited. This is a labor of love. And, um, that is what I've been up to. Basically, I did get to the store last week and I got to play a game of, I don't even recall. Oh, we played brutality because, um, my friend Matt wanted to try the spaceship battle rules. No, no, it wasn't Matt. That was, um, uh, my friend Elijah wanted to play the spaceship battle rules and my friends Connor and Matt wanted to try out their tournament lists, uh, for the brutality tournament at Shorehammer. So we ended up doing kind of a round robin thing where me and Connor played and Elijah and Matt played regular brutality and then Connor and Matt played regular brutality and Elijah and I played the space battle game. It was a fantastic game. I was rolling garbage though, really, really bad. Um, but uh, giving his, he had some tie bombers that were coming off of his star destroyers and uh, they were essentially, he had a dominant module, which gave him two minions and those are the minions and um, they're eventually going to be called, uh, I forget. I changed all the nomenclature for the spaceship game. They're called escorts. 
And um, these escorts he gave Crush as the model ability, which essentially is just bombs. And oh my gosh, it effed up one of my small ships. It may or may not affect the big ship as much, but man, my small ship was just getting hammered. Hammered, hammered. These two took him to task and ruined his night, basically. These two little bombers. But what's funny is, uh, he was beating me pretty well. I think it was, I think it was seven to four, I think it was, um, which is a pretty big margin of brutality. But on the very last turn, he ended up destroying that small ship and with the two bombers and my ship exploded and it destroyed both of those two bombers. So he got one point bringing him up to eight, but I got two points bringing me up to uh, six. So instead of seven to four, it was six to eight. And, uh, you know, that's a little better. And it was fun. It's that spaceship game, the best part about it. And um, for those of you who don't pay attention, I'm making other versions of brutality using the core brutality rules. And this one is brutal space. It's about space battles. And um, it's, you know, you can bring whatever you want. I had Star Trek Dominion ships versus his Imperial cruisers and Star Destroyers and all that from Star Wars. And uh, super fun game, but I could not roll anything to save my life. I mean, I had a breacher module on one of my ships, so it gave me like a save of, of a six, which is pretty, pretty darn good in this game. And uh, I could not roll within my save to save my life. I mean, just in one turn, I failed like four saves and, you know, I should be saving more than that. But what do you do? We still had a blast. We had a lot of fun. We were laughing and joking. And when that last ship on the last turn blew up and destroyed his two bombers, that just made my day. I still didn't win, but boy, did it make my day. So that was fun. Um, so I think, I know this show is going to be a little bit short, but I think that's about it. Oh, you know what? One last thing is my supplement the narrative mission module for brutality the first one just released today so i'm very excited about that and just so you know because of cyber monday and all that the publisher is doing 30 percent off for printed stuff so if you go to facebook.com you know groups brutality skirmish war game whatever or just brutality skirmish war game.com you can find all the links to that stuff and go buy the books at 30 percent off which is the best discount they give all year i know this because I've dealt with them for two years now. So, I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you get to see this glimpse behind the veil of running a convention and just some of the things that go into it. Like I said, I am super, super pumped. I have so many friends coming to this, and they're all friends that I met at the convention, and I am just so excited. So, I know I will be seeing you this upcoming weekend, Mr. Jonathan and um, Mr. Grendel, and Mr. Leroy Jenkins, and Mr. Uh, Michael, and Mr. <laughs> Walt, and uh, Mr. Andrew, and just all of you. Um, I'm excited to see all of you. So, all right, let's get to the really only only segment of the show because I've got a bunch more stuff to figure out and print out for the tournaments. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. 
Of course, now, you just heard the bumper music, it's time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and we are on the Shorehammer Eve, is what we are. Now, obviously, not really, but we are on the weekend prior to the weekend of Shoreham, so you know what, just give me a break here. The point is, is that I wanted to be a little overly dramatic, but not actually understate how much of a dilemma and a uh, issue this was. I'm calling it, as you've already heard, Crisis on Infinite Shorehammers, because it's a reference to Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC Comics. What, just give me a break about it. <laughs> so, um, what was it? Well, it's um, technically still going on, so it's, it's kind of a big deal, but let me walk you through the process. I'm not trying to milk for time or anything like that, but if I just tell you exactly what's going on, then it, I don't feel like you really get the gist of it because most of you don't run a convention. So, let's say that six years ago, you started a convention for wargaming and all that, named it Shorehammer, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you need a lot of mats and terrain for this. A lot. I mean, even back then, we had a 34-something person tournament and we're not backed by a store, we're not backed... I mean, our local store donates to the charity raffle and stuff, but I mean, we... This is my event, not the store's event, is what I'm trying to say. And it's not our club's event or anything like that, this is solely my event. Event. So, I'm kind of being relied on to supply all the mats and all the terrain and all of that stuff. So, over the years, I have always relied on my friend Steve. We call him Bliggity Blam Steve. He's never been on the show, but he's been referred to many, many, many times. And he was our benevolent um, philanthropist that would donate his terrain. Now, the deal with him is that he is... Um, let me try to say this as politely as possible. He has a very nice income. And he's, you know, he does well for himself. He's got a good job and all of that. And he really likes buying things for Warhammer and D&D and things like that. So uh, Kickstarters, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars in Kickstarters and stuff like that. I mean, like a lot. He, one year he spent $20,000 in Kickstarter alone. So, I mean, this, this guy really likes to do, you know, to buy stuff. The thing is, though, is that all of his stuff was unassembled and not painted, and literally just in boxes, because he enjoys the buying maybe a little more than the actual hobby, and he hasn't played Warhammer at this juncture for several years, probably three or four years. Um, at the time, he did still play Warhammer, but um, six years ago, he said, well, hey, I've got all this terrain, why don't you and the guys get together and assemble all my terrain, and paint all my terrain, and all that, and then I'll let you use it for Shorehammer. So, for... The last five years, that was the case. Every year, we'd paint more and more of his terrain, and every and now he he has good terrain. He's got Games Workshop terrain, Citadel miniatures, and all. I mean, he's it's you know none of it is cheap, like you know styrofoam board or popsicle sticks. No, all of it is legit terrain kits because he just likes to to spend. Um, so I mean, I'm not hating on him. We all spend quite a bit in this hobby, and um, it was a great help all these years, to be able to have him, and he had essentially a uh, an unlimited supply of of terrain, because he, he just had stacks and stacks and stacks of boxes of terrain prior to Shorehammer. I mean, this was, he just happened to have them when we started the convention. So, 
it was very nice that, uh, that he let us use it all those years. Well, um, over the years he got out of Warhammer, but he'd still come to Shorehammer every year and all, all that. Um, but when COVID hit, he, you know, everybody, and I don't like to discuss this because it's a, a real world topic and we're all sick of hearing it, but you know, some people went extreme cautious and some people went extreme reckless. Well, he was the extreme cautious. Uh, he didn't show up to the store even like when we could show up. He didn't show up even like, you know, wearing a mask or any, any of that like that. He literally became a hermit. So him and I, we're not as close. We used to hang out all the time. Um, our kids are still friends and our wives are still friends, but he very much distanced himself from all the club and from me and everybody because he was very concerned about it. You know, he's got his own reasons for that. So I, there's no hard feelings there. Um, but we did maybe lose a little bit of touch there. Well, this past year I've reached out to him and, uh, he still once again, Oh, I don't like to hang out with people or have people over my house. And that's totally his prerogative. Um, but the problem is we're slowly going a little further and further away from each other, you know? So, um, so in like June, I contacted him and I actually, he did actually show up at the store, um, because, uh, sometime in 2021, he did start showing up once in a while to say hi for a few minutes. He never played or anything like that. Um, but he'd be talking to the store owner and I said, Hey, just as a reminder, well, first off, I said, you know, you come into Shorehammer this year. He says, no. And, uh, because of the whole, uh, you know, plague thing. And I said, okay, well, um, oh, and by the way, every year, you know, I, I paid for meals. I bought his hotel room. Uh, he helped me run the convention, you know, to some degree and all of that. So, you know, he, he was as compensated as best as I could compensate him. Plus he got all of his terrain assembled and painted for free. So that's, you know, there's, there's a tit for tat there. Well, um, I con I saw him in like June of this year, 2021. And I was like, Hey, just a reminder, I'm going to still need your train this year for Shorehammer. And his response was, ah, oh, yeah. and I'm like, that's odd. <laughs> he didn't say no. And he didn't technically say yes, but I mean, this is our sixth year. So, I mean, I, I just knew I could use his terrain and, um, I'm sure you all know where this is going, going in, in this direction now, but um, so then in August, I saw him again. I'm like, Hey, just a reminder, you know, I'm going to need that terrain. Um, and he goes, Oh, and didn't really tell me yes or no, but sometimes he can just be a little odd. So it's really not that big of a deal. Um, I've known him for almost 10 years now. So finally we were having a paint party, um, this, this fall. And I had several people over my house and it just so happened. I didn't know this. Um, and I, he wasn't at the paint party cause he hasn't been doing any of that social stuff with us. And he pulls up with his wife and his child and they want to pick up one of my daughters cause they're friends and all that. And he's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, Oh, we're doing a paint party. And he's like, Oh, I said, Hey, just as a reminder, you know, I'm going to need some of that, that terrain this year, you know, just, you know, just so you know. And once again, he goes, oh. so that, that, you know, this is like November at this point, maybe it was October and I'm getting a little concerned now. So before he left, given his body language, I was like, so, you know, just, just a reminder, I'm going to need that terrain. And he just, ah, and then he leaves. Okay. Well, I mean, he is kind of odd sometimes. So I didn't, I wasn't too, too worried, but I was starting to get an inkling that he's not going to let us use a train. But at this juncture, he's had four, four chances to say, Hey, you know, I don't really want you to use my terrain or whatever. Um, so 
normally, like last year, all I did is um, I text him like a week before and I go, hey, you know, when can I stop by and pick up the train and uh, all that. And he just tells me what night works for him. And we stop by with the trailer, pick up the train and we're, we're good. Then we return it afterwards. It's no big deal. Well, this year I text him the day before Thanksgiving. It's the, this is the week prior to uh, Shorehammer, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, I need the train. So uh, when when do you want that? Um, you know, when when works for you to come pick it up?" And he says that he's not lending me the train this year, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Because I mean, I admit I'm not entitled to his train. Clearly, his his property is his property, but a week before the event telling someone who you know will rely on your terrain that you can't use the terrain. And given that we're not like on bad terms or anything like that, I mean, we, we didn't have a falling out. He shouldn't be mad at me for any reason. Um, in fact, we've, you know, haven't talked this much this year at all because, you know, he's just been pretty unavailable, um, trying to be cautious. So, uh, but anyway, he said, no, he's not letting us use it. So I said, look, you know, Oh, he also said that I hadn't mentioned it at all to him this year, so he's shocked that I need it. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly true. I needed it. I said it four different times, twice with in one day with witnesses that I asked you for it. And um, I said, so anyway, you know, obviously there's been this miscommunication. Can I please still use your terrain because I need to use your terrain? And he never replied. And that was three days ago, and he's never replied. So... Um, needless to say, I was a little irritated because, you know, I've got over a hundred people come in and, you know, I, I, I thought I relied on this terrain. Well, there's a part of the story that I haven't been telling you. I've actually withheld from you for this point. Now picture the same exact story. Okay. You, you've pictured this juncture. I'm in a pretty bad pickle here, right? Well, there's the element that I've been, uh, not what sharing with you yet in this story and the idea is that I always uh, like I said he can uh, blickety blam can be a little difficult to deal with sometimes I tell him to his face that he's he's the older brother that I never had or wanted because he very much treats me like a a little brother Um, (laughs) so being that I don't like to rely on people and I don't um, I like to do things myself because all of my experience trust me you know, in the summer, I've got 15 employees. I know that you really can't rely on anybody except yourself if you want something done right. And that's that's not being hyperbolic. That is, like, legit. You you. It's very hard to find anybody that will put the same effort into stuff that you will. So, Wargaming is no different. Um, I've tried to have volunteers come up with trivia questions before, and they half-assed it, you know. Um, I've tried to have them, you know, look through lists before and they half-ass it. I've tried to, so 99% of everything is me, um, for the convention, which I'm totally fine with. I actually prefer to be in charge of it anyway. It's just a big workload, but I'm, I'm really truly not complaining about that. At least I know it's done to my standards, right? So all of these years, I could have taken money from Shorehammer. All these years, you know, we, we make several thousand dollars and all that, and even above costs and all of that, because there's considerable costs for running this, we still end up with a profit each year of, of some amount of money, you know. And the convention has grown every single year. So that's cool, you know. So I know a lot of people, and this is why people are not very good at business, um, a lot of people would have just taken the cash 
And what I mean taking the cash is you still claim it on your taxes, but they would not have reinvested it into the convention. Well, I don't necessarily need this little bit of money. You know, I have my own career and things like that. So instead, I've always chosen to just do all this 100% for free. And matter of fact, some years it actually cost me money out of my pocket because we still didn't have the budget to cover all the costs. But the years that we did make money, um, I always just immediately bought more terrain. I bought more mats. I bought more just, just you know, signage, banners, and things like that. I've invested in the convention. So I have slowly, originally, it was like 90% his terrain and like 50% his mats because I always had a considerable number of mats. And over the years, as we've, we've grown, his amount of terrain has slowly shrunken the amount used and mine has slowly grown larger. So last year, the amount of terrain that we used was probably 75% mine and 25% his. There were some pallets of his terrain that we didn't even open at the convention. We brought it in case we needed it, but come to find out we didn't need it. And there was a couple mats that we didn't need to use because I had, um, I had most of what we needed. Well, given this extremely sudden twist of fate here, uh, a week before the convention. I, um, I am very happy that, um, I was telling everybody and I even told him that I may not need his terrain in 2022. Uh, I might, you know, I keep getting more and more terrain and more and more mats. I buy more every single year with any amount of profit we get and all of that, um, to, to enhance, you know, my independence away from relying on him, who is a friend, um, you know, to, to run my convention. So, luckily, I have not been greedy, and I have not taken any money from the convention, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I am proud that even though I did not necessarily foresee this happening, and I'm still not certain why it happened, I am very grateful that I didn't just take the money and run, basically. And um, so, over the years, I have I've bought more and more and more, um, and now... I am pretty positive that I have enough terrain and mats to cover the whole convention this year. I didn't expect to do it until next year completely on my own. So this is a little sudden and it's a surprise, but uh, I think I can... It's kind of like my investment in the... Okay, let's, let's come up with a really weird metaphor, okay? I'm driving along on a motorcycle and I'm heading towards this cliff. And the ground that I'm driving on is his support with the train and the mats, right? And I thought I had it forever, but I don't actually have it. There's a cliff coming up. So over the years, all of my investment in the convention has actually been a helicopter getting dropping lower and lower and lower with a rope ladder. And I thought I had like 10 more feet of his support before I could grab hold of that rope ladder. But instead, suddenly I was going faster than I realized, and now my bike has dropped out from under me as we've crossed the precipice of this cliff, and I leap at the last second off this motorcycle and grab onto the last rung of this ladder. Was that dramatic enough for you? <laughs> so I think I'll be totally fine. And before I get a bunch of messages, I know there's a lot of people from Shorehammer that listen to this podcast. Um, I've already, the, the friends that already know about it, I've got four different friends saying, Hey, I'll donate, you know, I'll, I'll lend you my train. I'll lend you my mat. I'll lend you all that. I'm very, very happy for all of that. And I appreciate it. I may 
still need some, you know, loans from local friends and things like that. But I, I, I'm 90% positive that I've got all the terrain I need. I'm just not, you know, the thing, and you might be wondering like, well, why isn't there some sort of math to this? Not necessarily, you know, some terrain is more valuable than others for tournaments and some of it is more valuable for narratives. So you're never really sure how it spreads out until you actually put it on the tables. Um, but like I said, every year I was buying more and more and more terrain. Luckily, I had a couple boxes of Pegasus terrain that I had not assembled because I didn't have to. Well, me and the wife and the kids this, this weekend have um, hurriedly, you know, assembled them and dry brushed them and all that glued them together and whatnot. And um, luckily, I just bought a bunch of new game mats. Um, so that's... I mean, I didn't know this was going to happen, but luckily I I did do that because otherwise I think I would be short on mats. So, um, but anyway, so that's, it's, um, it is a crisis and I was not that happy about the situation and I'm still not certain what the cause of it was, but you know, in the end, um, I am happy to kind of be un out from under someone else's influence or under their thumb or whatever. So um, once again, I'd much rather be my own man. Um, when this podcast was first being made, um, I had multiple friends say, hey, why don't we do this podcast together? It'll be Pimpcron and friends or whatever. And I know that people, especially friends, are flaky as hell. I know that from experience. So I don't mind, uh, before this whole pandemic thing, I don't mind having friends over to record together and things like that. But I don't really want to rely on someone like, hey, I can't record until I have my buddies with me. That's not that's not what I'm about, because as you should know by now, three years into it, I like to keep a strict schedule. And when I say I'm going to post a video or a, a, a podcast, I post a podcast. So um, I just wanted to um, just share with you what kind of made me um, poop my pants for a couple minutes until I... Uh, me and my wife and kids dug through all my terrain and counted all my mats and did all the math over again to see if we could make it work. And I'm pretty positive I would bet you 20 bucks that I think I'm good on terrain. But if I need to cover an extra board or two or something like that, I've still got plenty of friends. And this is where I say, dude, th this is obviously this is indicative of humanity in general, but the wargaming community is just fantastic people. It, it really is fantastic people. Um, the people are willing to lend a hand. They're willing to lend you their terrain. They're willing to bring their mats. Um, I already have Mike Biancone, um from um, uh, Berks, Berks County in Pennsylvania. Um, their, their gaming club, he brings X-Wing mats every year, and I got people volunteering to run tournaments and all that. So it's just, everybody's so nice. Um, so, anyway... I just wanted to share with you my oh crap moment that happened a couple days ago, but I believe it's under control. I also, in a real hurry, bought like 10 more boxes of Pegasus terrain and it'll, it will be here tomorrow. So you know what I'm doing tomorrow when the postman or woman gets here? I'm going to be opening those Pegasus boxes and building more buildings just to be sure. So um, what do you do, right? Anyway, just uh, just thought you might be interested in hearing all this. So I will let you go, and next week will be all about Shorehammer. It'll be about my behind-the-scenes things I record on my phone as, you know, I'm doing this stuff each night and all that, so it should be fun. I will see you next week. And hey, you know, some of, some of you I'll be seeing this week. <laughs>